Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. I am your host, Paul Gannon, for the next 90 minutes. We're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, that number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. Listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Send messages to the show on Twitter at go for it can G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And while you're there, give me a follow at go for it can Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. Going to get his take on the upcoming NFL season, which started last night, and we'll get to that. Also, 49ers wide receiver Jeremy Curley will be joining us. Going to talk to him about the upcoming season. He was uh, signed with the Lions, traded to the 49ers, and now it looks like he's going to have a pretty decent role with the 49ers in 2016. So we're going to talk to Jeremy Curley. Game is his name right. Jeremy Curley. <laughs> and also mental skills coach. This guy is a mental skills coach for Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, worked with Jalen Brown, also worked with Ben Simmons. Graham Betchart will be joining us. He's going to talk about mental skills and mental skills training and some of the things he does to help his players to be not only successful physically, but to be successful upstairs mentally. So a lot lot to get to. First and foremost, the NFL season started off last night. And, you know, the Broncos, Super Bowl champions, and, you know, they good times in Denver. And then you got Carolina with the rematch. And first and foremost, I thought Carolina would come out and just blow the doors off the Denver Broncos last night. I really did. I, I thought they were going to blow the doors off the Broncos last night. I thought revenge was going to be a, a big part of their motive, obviously. I, I thought they were going to be motivated. I thought they were going to be hyped. I thought they were going to be ready to go and stop a mud hole in the Denver Denver Broncos last night. But it didn't happen. And you look at this Denver Broncos team and coming into this season, I didn't have this team making the playoffs. I really didn't because I I look at this team and I I look at that quarterback position and it's a little suspect. But then I was watching last night, and and I I thought about this even before I made my choice in in the AFC West, excuse me, I, I, I thought about it, and, and I looked at this Broncos team, and then I look at the quarterback play last year. It wasn't very good. I mean, Peyton Manning, the great Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, wasn't very good last year. I mean, I, I don't know if you, you you remember looking at his numbers, but there was only nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So he was essentially a turnover machine. So. I look at Peyton Manning 
I look at Trevor Simeon, and do I really see much of a difference? Do I really see much of a difference between Peyton Manning and, and Trevor Simeon? I mean, it, obviously, let's let's not disrespect the name of Peyton Manning. The reality of the situation is Peyton Manning is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But last year, he wasn't. And he got out at, a, at the right time because he was done. Finish. Finito. He was done. He was done. And, and so with that being said, the Denver Broncos with Trevor Simeon last night did have two interceptions but did lead two scoring drives there in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, decent, 18 for 26, one touchdown, two picks. Did get help from that running game. C.J. Anderson, 92. You got Janovic, who had that 28-yard romp, but, you know, 148-yard rushing. So he got support. He got the support, and obviously that defense is big time. That defense is huge. That defense – Got it done last year, so far getting it done this year. I mean, got it done last year, getting it done this year. They got it done. They get it done. Cam Newton wasn't great uh, yesterday at all. You know, 18 for 33, not great. Not great. Less than 60% of his passes completed. So it's not great. And he wasn't great last night. And that's a byproduct of this Denver Broncos defense. I mean, their their defense is just big time, man. It's, it's just absolutely big time. And there's no – that defense – like I said, if, if that defense can continue to play the way it played last season into this year, if that defense plays the way they played last year, that defense and this team – if the quarterback play is is competent, I mean, I mean, it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be manageable. If he can, if, if Simeon can manage that offense, keep that team in football games, you know, take out those turnovers, this team could be back possibly into the Super Bowl. Back into the Super Bowl. If, if, because like I said last year, their quarterback play wasn't good. Whether it's Osweiler, whether it's Peyton Manning, it wasn't great. It's a little better under Osweiler, but ultimately Peyton Manning came back and ultimately Peyton Manning did what he needed to do in the playoffs to get his team to the Super Bowl. He did what he needed to do. He was big time. He did the necessary things to keep his team moving and to get his team into the into the Super Bowl. And ultimately, he did enough, didn't do a lot, but did enough to get his team to the Super Bowl and ultimately his team winning a Super Bowl. I mean, look at Peyton Manning. 222 yards against the Steelers, 176 against New England, 141 against the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl. So the numbers, they don't move you. The numbers don't move the meter at all. But the key to what Peyton Manning did was 
he was clean. No interceptions against Pittsburgh. He was clean. You know, no picks. And that's huge. Against New England. No interceptions against New England. Clean. And then, you know, in the Super Bowl, he wasn't great, obviously. Not great at all. But he did enough. And I say all of that to say this. When you look at the Denver Broncos situation, team really, I mean, to Peyton Manning did have two fumbles in the Super Bowl and lost one of them. But you look at the team, and you look at last year, and then you look at this year, and you look at the quarterback play from last year, and then you turn around and look at this year, and you look at the defensive play from last year, and then you look at the start of this year, and the defense start off great, off to a decent start. You're saying to yourself, well, I believe the Kansas City Chiefs will win that division because I don't, I, 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 I'm not sure that defense can play the way they did last year. They were huge. I don't know if they can play at that level. It's a lot of pressure to stay and play at that level. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's difficult. But if that defense can play at the level they played last year, and Trevor Simeon can be can protect the football, they probably could go back to the Super Bowl. And that's real. This team probably could go back to the Super Bowl. And and you would have that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. But we'll see what happens. We'll most definitely see what happens. But off to a great start of the Denver Broncos. Then last night's game. A lot of headshots for Cam Newton. Darian Stewart gave him a nice little headshot. Brandon Marshall, nice little headshot. I mean, a bunch of guys gave out some headshots. And, you know, one, one, of, one of the penalties were called, and the other ones weren't. I mean, you look at those shots, you're like, okay, there are penalties, right? And the thing is, you just – in today's NFL, it's kind of hard to figure out what is a penalty and what's not a penalty. What's a catch and what's not a catch? I mean, it's just so confusing at this point. Idiot-proof the game. The game needs to be idiot-proofed. I mean, because you look at the game, and it's like, what is a penalty? What, what, I mean, what does a rough in the passer penalty look like? You don't know. Some things are called that you're like, what the heck were they looking at? And then some things are called, are not called, and you're like, what the heck are they looking at? And I look at it also. You know, Kansas has got big quarterback. You know, he's not your typical quarterback. He's just a big dude. And Ron Rivera said he feels like Cam is almost Shaq-like, the victim of his size. Almost Shaq-like. And I think there's a level of truth to that because Shaq used to get beat up and beat up. And you're like, okay, it's so tough to call. It's so tough to call. But I also think it's a byproduct of Cam Newton being a scrambling quarterback, just like Michael Vick. Michael Vick, scrambling quarterback, and you were like, this guy never gets the benefit of the doubts in terms of calls. This guy doesn't get a lot of rough in the pasture calls. And you're like, wow, wow, like when, when, when this guy gonna get a, a when are they gonna give a rough in the passing call? 
Can this guy get a rough in the passing call? Come on. Can he get one? Michael Vick couldn't get Michael Vick had a hard time getting one. Cam Newton's having a hard time getting one. So you look at it, I think it is a byproduct of his size. I think it's a byproduct of, of his size. And I think I think Ron Rivera is is, is on to something. I think he's on to something. I really do. I think Ron Rivera is on to something when it comes just to that, to, to the size. So, and also, I, I, just, I just came across a stat that last night's penalty for roughing the passer against Cam Newton was the first since 2014. So, all of last year, Cam Newton, there was no rough in the passer calls against Cam Newton all last year. And with the rules and, and the way the NFL protects the quarterback, that's crazy. That's crazy. All of last year, Cam Newton did not get a rough in the passer call. He got his first Roughing the passer call since 2014 last night. Think about it. Take a second. Matter of fact, take two. And so I, I say that to say it's not race. Let's just get that out of the way. It's not race. But to me, it's about, it's about, his size, I believe. It's about him being a scrambling quarterback, a la a Michael Vick. I think it's about that. But, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the NFL season. Willie Rofe will be joining us in about 20, something, 20 minutes, and we're going to talk NFL as we step into this NFL season. You know, last night, Brandon Marshall of the Denver Broncos got a little attention last night. Follow Colin Kaepernick, follow Jeremy Lane, followed Eric Reed, and he took a knee. He decided to take a knee. But in the midst of taking that knee, you know, he lost a little money because he had an endorsement deal with, with a local, it was a local credit union. Endeavor, don't quote me on that. Let me double check on that. But he, he lost an endorsement deal at the end of the day. He lost an endorsement deal. And so it was a credit union, Arab Academy Federal Credit Union, where he was a sponsor. He, he was a spokesperson for uh, maybe done a few commercials or something. But he lost that endorsement deal. He lost it. I mean, he was their spokesperson and and. They said in a statement, quote, although we have enjoyed Brandon Marshall as our spokesperson over the past five months, Air Academy Federal Credit Union has ended our partnership. They went on to say, AAFCU is a membership-based organization who has proudly served the military community for 60 years. 
while we respect Brandon's right of expression, his actions are not representation of our organization and membership. We wish Brandon well on his future endeavors. Well, I mean, just like he has the right to kneel, I mean, what's called has that that company has a right to say they don't want to do business with him anymore. I mean, so everybody has rights here. And, you know, it is his right. This is America to do what he did, but it's also the right of that particular company to do what they did. And then what they did is said, you know what? We ain't doing business with you no more. We don't agree with your stance. We, we, uh, we, we're not doing business with you. And, and they didn't say they didn't agree with his stance. They're just saying his acts, well, basically they are, because they're saying is that his actions are not representation of our organization and membership. So they told him how they feel. And now they're like, bye bye. We're done. Hey, man, here's what I think. I respect any dude who is standing up for people who, who are less fortunate than him. And, and I totally respect that. But at the end of the day, you know what? I got to respect the company for doing what they did. Can't disrespect that. It is what it is. That's your company. You decide who's your spokesperson. If he doesn't fit what you want to do, you get rid of him. That's your that's your choice. But I will say this. This to me is laying it on the line because you're, you're, you're risking your money, messing with your money to help others. But I'll, I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that. But we're, we're going to bring in a guy now, uh, mental skills coach. For, for Ben Simmons, did some work with Ben Simmons, did some work with, with, with Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, did some work with Andrew Wiggins. And, uh, and Andrew Wiggins and that Minnesota Timberwolves team, that, you know, they're, gonna, they're looking to take off this year. We'll see if they can. But, you know, we're, we're, he's worked with a lot of guys. And we're going to bring him in now, Grant Betchart. We're about to bring in a guy now. He's worked with a lot of big-time athletes. Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and the number one draft pick for the Philadelphia 76ers, number one overall draft pick in the NBA draft 2016, NBA draft Ben Simmons. Let's bring him in now. Mental skills coach, Graham Betchart. Graham, how are you? I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for joining us. And, Graham, I want to start with Ben Simmons, number one pick in the NBA draft. Many think he could be a star on the physical side. But what do you see mentally with Ben Simmons that makes you believe that he could be a star? Because you, you're, you're one of his mental coaches. Yeah, well, first of all, he wants it. The fact that he works on his mindset, that he works on this stuff, that it means something to him, lets you know that he cares about to, to us the most important thing, right? Ben and all these guys will tell you 80% of performance is mental. So the fact that they're working on that aspect and he's working on that shows. And also, Ben, unlike any player I've, ever, I've had the chance to work with, calm under pressure of anyone I've ever been around. So he's built to excel under the most pressure. And I, I believe he'll be better and better the higher the stakes get. So do you feel like he's going to be a superstar in the NBA? I absolutely do. From the first moment I had a chance to be around him a few years ago, you could just feel it in his presence. 
and you can just feel it. It's what he wants, and it's what it's what wants to come out of him. He's got it all over him. For sure. So I hope you're right. I'm a lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan, so I hope you're right. He, 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 man, he, he's special. I mean, there's nothing I can say that would take that away from him. Uh, he's a special basketball player, and I mean, he's 19 years old. You know what I mean? So give the guy a decade to put in, you know, a body of work, you know, but he's, he's here, and he's ready to roll, and he's focused and locked in, and you know, he's 19, so you, everyone remembers being 19. You don't have everything figured out at all, but he's working, you know, and he's For working sure. on it, which is the coolest thing. Now, you've also worked, interestingly, you worked with Andrew Wiggins as well, and you look at the temperament of Ben Simmons, you look at the temperament of Andrew Wiggins, it seems quite similar. Am I right in that, in working with those two guys? That's, I, I think you're hitting it on the head. Those, those guys both have a calm, competitive demeanor about them. And, you know, when you watch Wiggins right away when he was a rookie, you know, he would he would score 25, 30 points against LeBron. Like, he, he, he knows how to raise his game. I think some of the challenge will be doing that at a consistent level. And, and Wiggins now, this being his third year in the NBA, he's already made huge strides. But, yeah, no, I, I see a lot of similarities in them and in, in, in their makeup, you know, and how they go about things. They're, guys are calm under pressure. So is that what it takes to be great? I mean, the calm under pressure? You know, I mean, I – I honestly believe greatness is a choice, and I believe if you love what you do, you're good at what you do, and you put in over a decade at it and truly dedicate yourself to it, you, you have a chance to let greatness out. So you, you look at like Steph Curry or somebody, like no one really saw it when he was young, or it just started to emerge the last couple of years. So, you know, I think there's a lot of elements that come into being great, and it takes time, but I do think there is an ability to calm down and focus and get yourself in the moment and trust your skills no matter what's going on. That all great players have the ability to be present and be in the moment, even if they're going through a really tough statistical time. We're talking to mental skills coach Graham Batchard. Graham, I want to ask you this. You have a concept out there, the concept of play present. Talk about that. When you, when you think about the zone, right, the zone is when you're at your absolute best. And when every athlete talks about when they're at their absolute best, there's one thing in common, and it's absolute presence. They're totally present and focused on the task at hand, and they have no concern about the future. They have no concern about – and that's when great things happen. Absolute pinnacle of what I'm trying to teach everyone is play present. Be in the moment you're in. And I always tell them, hey – if you can look down at your feet, if you can see your feet, you got to be here as well. If your feet are in this moment, you got to be in this moment. You got to train your mind to play present. So that's the foundation. And then it's hard, right? It's hard to play present. So the skill becomes what we call next play speed. It's how fast can you refocus when you've lost your focus and the focus from the present moment. And the better so, you do those two things, great things happen. So what are tips? to achieve these things? What are some of the tips that you give athletes to achieve these things? It's, it's basically what we just talked about. It's be in the moment and move on to the next play as fast as you can. So many athletes are living and dying with the result that just happened. You've got to let go of that result. You've got to get back into what's happening now. You've got to use your eyes and see what's happening now in real time. And you've got to use your breath and focus on your breath. Your breath is happening now. And if you can get your focus into right now, 
you're always okay because you cannot compete against what happened five minutes ago, and you can't compete against what's going to happen in five minutes. You can only compete against what's happening now. So if you can be here, you got a chance. Now, I read a story where, where Ben Simmons gave you a call right before a game. But let me ask you this. Essentially, are you on the clock 24 hours a day, on call 24 hours a day for your athletes? No, I'm, I'm married and have two kids, so I'm, I'm just like anyone else. I, I got I to gotta know how to have boundaries and just like these and know how to shut themselves off. I, I have to lead by example as well. I mean, I love my work so much. I want to work 24 hours a day, but then I'm going to lose everything I love in my life. You know, so it, it is this balance that you have to find find it. And uh, so, no, I don't do that. I'm also, you know, 38. I think there was a time in my 20s when maybe I would be available all the time. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> Understandable. The way I look at mental skills training is that I'm not here to fix a crisis, right? I'm here to train somebody. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that I'm available 24 hours a day because this isn't just like, ah, we're in a panic mode, call me. This is real training. You know, you learn and then you practice a little bit every day and slowly throughout time you get better. So we, we established that mindset right away that this is not about crisis management. This is about building a skill set that every year you should be a little bit better at, you know, a little bit better at. There's, there's no quick fix. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> we're talking to mental skills coach. Graham Betchart, how much resistance do you get when you first start working with athletes? Like an athlete, you, you know, pick I'm an gonna, athlete. Do you get a, how much resistance do you get initially? At this point, I don't get much, and if any at all. You know, twelve years ago, I got a lot. I would say twelve years ago, I had to convince people this had meaning, and now when I talk to people about it, they say, "Where have you been?" You know. We, we, we've needed to do this years ago. So there's a big shift in everybody, and there's an openness out there where people understand how important the mind is. They understand that working on mindset does not mean you have a problem with yourself, right? That old stigma is dying. It says working on psychology or working on focus means you have a problem. Not at all. So I'd say people are excited about it now. The young players are hungry for it. They're open for it. They get it. Um, and we're really seeing kind of a movement happening now and it's building with a lot of these young guys who are open to doing it for sure so graham you are the director of mental training for lucid it's a new organization that focuses on mental skills training talk about that organization so what we what we figured out was instead of just you know being ben simmons or like aaron gordon and, and you get a chance to you know do mental training that we needed to get this out to everyone to the masses and so we built an app right now that you can download. You can go to getlucid.com, and you can download mental training. And if you download our app, it's my voice leading you through a five-minute mental training workout every day. And the idea is hit play every day, mind right, game tight. You know, that now, now you know, hey, if, if performance is 80% mental, now you can do something about it. Instead of just sitting there going, I'm hoping things work out today when I play, you can actually go into a game focused, confident, ready to roll. And where do you see this going in the future? How big will this get in your mind? Well, when I talk to anyone who's successful in any field, be it a lawyer, an athlete, a teacher, it all comes back to mind. It all comes back to their focus. It all comes back to confidence. And so I, I see this as being huge, and I see this as being something that's not stopping 
and I see it's something that's going to be normalized on every level, just like every team has a strength and conditioning coach. Every team needs to have a mental strength and conditioning coach, and that's starting to happen. And organizations are doing it. Schools are doing it. More and more people are reaching out. So I just see it as a normal part, just like lifting weights is normal. Mental training is becoming normal right now as we speak. Now, you talked about Aaron Gordon. He is an investor in Lucid. Also, you've known Aaron Gordon since 11. Did you help him (laughs) mentally go through those dunks during the dunk contest? You know, we did. We, we went through every one, and we would do one of the techniques we do is a, is a visualization technique. So Aaron would go through in his mind, and he would see himself doing every dunk, going through over and over again. We had a chance to walk out on the floor together in Toronto and kind of visualize being on the floor. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's known he could do those dunks for a long time. Not a lot of other people knew he could do them. And so a lot of the prep was just going through in his mind, seeing himself do it, and a big thing we did, because you're being judged, right? There's a score. And one of the things is you cannot control what score people put up. And so our prep was being at peace with whatever the score was. That, that has nothing to do with what we're actually competing at. All he was competing at was, was letting the world know what he could do and really letting it all out. And most people think that he won the dunk contest. And when you see him after and you saw the way he composed himself – he, he showed people how to win when you lose. You know, he showed people how to control what you can because, truthfully, he felt like he won. And Zach and him were hanging out that night, and Zach was like, that was like the most amazing thing he'd ever seen. And I, I really look at it like I have a chance to work with Zach as well. The highest level of competition is really collaboration and that those two guys collaborate together to do stuff that no one has ever seen. You know, and they needed each other. They needed each other, right? Zach's not going to yeah. put the ball between his legs from the free throw line unless Aaron jumps over a mascot. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so it's, it was one of those moments, man. So, yes, Aaron prepped on that uh, a long time in the making. And my little funny story was the moment where I was becoming a part of Lucid, becoming the director of mental training, Aaron wanted me to come out in Orlando and be, be the person holding the ball above his head. And so I was going to get a chance to be in the dunk contest, but I was – you know, working on my deal with Lucid, so he ended up, you know, putting the mascot out, and I think he made a great decision. It's much better than having me out there do it, but it just—it's—you never know when you follow what you love in life. Amazing things happen, you know. So yeah, I met Aaron when he was 11. We had no idea, you know, that we were going to connect how we did, and we were going to hit it off, and and you know, we're like partners in this game now, man. And he's—I consider Aaron Gordon to be the Michael Jordan of mindset. Like when you okay. talk to this guy and see him, he, he's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I mean, he's been doing this since he was 11, so think about that. Michael didn't start doing this stuff until his 20s, right? Mike and Kobe didn't get this till their 20s. Aaron is the only kid I know in the NBA who's been doing this since he was a teenager. You know, so, so look, obviously he's got a great body, but I think people will realize <laughs> his mind is spectacular. So who, who were you rooting for in that dunk contest? Was it Levine? Was it Gordon? I mean – Oh, uh, man, I, you know, I would probably say deep down I was rooting for Aaron on some level, but I, I knew it was going to be spectacular. The, I was working with them both pre-draft uh, down in Santa Barbara before they got drafted, and we actually saw those dudes go at it back then, and, and we had an idea what was going to happen if they ever made it to the dunk contest together. So it was, it was electric, man, but, I, you know, I was like crying, you know, watching Aaron do that. It was a special moment, you know, to see him do that and to be a part of it. So that, that was, uh, it was amazing, you know, it was amazing. So you've also worked with, with the great George Mumford, who also worked with Michael Jordan. 
and Kobe Bryant. Now, you talk about Michael Jordan, you talk about Kobe Bryant. Do you see similarities between them two in terms of their mental makeup? I mean, because you look at those two, and they seem almost similar as well. Yeah, They're, totally. I, I see a total similar makeup in those guys. And the one thing with both of them is they understood that failure and fear were illusions. And that was a big part of the mental training. Those two guys were not afraid to fail. And if you remember that commercial with Michael Jordan, it might have been back in the late 90s where he was even bragging about how many times how many times he's missed a game-winning shot and how many shots he's missed. And a lot of people didn't understand, like, how, why are you bragging about mistakes? And what those guys understood was that, again, the only failure was not being present and trusting your skills. And they also understood that competition was not the person guarding them. Competition was themselves. And most people playing against Kobe and Michael were competing against them, and they didn't understand that Kobe and Michael were not competing against them, right? They were working on their own selves, freeing themselves. So you could go out and, you know, do the things they did on the court. So they got to work with George Mumford, and they took it really seriously. And George Mumford, to me, is like Yoda. You know, he's like the, the legend in mental training. You know, he's like a guy that inspired me to do this work. And I had a chance to meet Michael Jordan with Aaron, and I said, Mike, what George is to you, you know, I am Aaron. You know, and he looked at me and said, George saved his life. And I don't think a lot of people know that, that, that Michael Jordan is like, this man saved my life. And it's, it's a big deal, you know. So I, I feel uh, proud of this stuff. You know, I feel proud of being able to kind of bring it forward to people. And, you know, guys like Jordan and George Mumford and Kobe were like, for me, pioneers. You know, they were the ones that I grew up watching Jordan and was like, what, what is it about this guy that's so special? Because, you know, there's something about him. And the more you studied, it wasn't his body. It was his mindset. You know, so let me so. ask you this. You said, and I hate, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you said that yeah. Mike, that it saved Michael Jordan's life. Did it save his life yeah. on the court or off the court or both? You know, that that's a good question. Uh, you know, Mike just looked me in the eyes and said, George saved his life. So my assumption would be it's always both. You know, it's hard to separate the court from life and life from court. Eventually it becomes one. And if you don't have your stuff together off the court, you're not really going to do very well on the court. And if you remember, you know, Mike punched Steve Kerr in the face. And it was like after that moment that he had to learn passion and empathy for his teammates because guys weren't going to drive as hard as Mike. And he had to be okay with that. And, and Kobe had to learn the same skills. So two – Two of the most crucial skills that these guys had to learn were, were compassion and empathy because they were so driven and so hardwired that not everyone else was like that, and they had to learn to lead. I mean, you remember when Kobe first got in the league? People hated that dude. Right. Like, they hated that. Again, he had to learn through years and years of isolating himself that, man, i got to be a part of a group. You know, so I think when, when Jordan said, hey – George saved my life. I, I think it was really helping him be aware that there was another route besides being like angry and frustrated at everybody, you know, because those guys had a pretty strong temper and George, George helped him learn another way, you know, another way, which is going to sound funny, but it's peaceful. It's a much more, it's a much more peaceful approach. And Mike learned peace against the Detroit Pistons, right? All they were trying to do was foul him. They were the bad boys. And once Mike learned to, take a deep breath and have compassion for them because they couldn't beat him playing basketball. Only way they could beat him was trying to hurt him. And once he was okay with that, they couldn't do anything, you know? So it was compassion that helped him learn to not get caught up in all that stuff. And then, you know, you're not stopping someone once they learn that, you know? 
we're talking to mental skills coach Graham Betchart. And Graham, before we get out of here, I want to ask you this. I know you said the, the main focus uh, of this is football. I mean, excuse me, basketball. But are you looking to do this with other sports? Oh, for sure. I, basketball was just a little niche I love, you know, and I figured 12 years ago if I was going to get in somewhere deep, I'll get in with hoops. And now that we've kind of been doing it for a while, um, athletes from all over reach out. So I started doing work with Brandon Marshall from the Jets, who's got an incredible story. And he uh, went through some stuff mentally years ago and has worked hard on himself and now wants to be an advocate for spreading mental training around. So I got to work with Brandon Marshall. And, you know, I'm from the Bay Area. There's the number one high school player in the country for football is out here. His name is Najee Harris. And uh, he's an amazing football player. He's going to Alabama next year. So I have started to work with football players. I do work with baseball players. Um, you know, th this stuff is for anyone that faces pressure, wants results, and is competitive. You know, that's who it's for. So it's a lot of people. So you two, all of us, can be like Kobe, can be like Michael, can be like Ben Simmons, Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon. We can be like all these great athletes and get lucid. Go to www.getlucid.com. That's getlucid.com. It's available on iTunes as well. So there's a lot of great resources out there for you, uh, you know, to, to get your mental right so you can be successful in all that you do. Graham. Total pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I would love to talk to you. I got a lot of energy from you. Thanks for the great questions, great conversation. I, I want to come back anytime you want to have me. Sounds good. Take care. Graham Betchart, mental skills coach. I mean, the mental, just as important as the physical, if not even more important. Then the physical was a pleasure talking to Graham Betchart and getlucid.com. Go to getlucid.com. So you too can, can have that mental skill set to be successful in all that you do. Uh, I, I want to go back to Brandon Marshall for a second. Uh, Denver Broncos took a knee yesterday, lost a sponsorship deal from it. And, and you know, Obviously, he, he took a chance. He put himself out there for, for the greater good, I guess. Well, at least the greater good, yeah, for the greater good. And so you look at it, and this is true sacrifice. This is sacrifice. You know, and I don't want to minimize what military men do because they do – a huge job. I don't want to minimize what police officers do because they do a huge job. I don't want to minimize what firefighters do because they do a huge job. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, while the sacrifice is different, it is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice nonetheless. It is most definitely a sacrifice. Now, you might not agree with it, the sacrifice. And I'm not putting that sacrifice on the level of an individual that risked their life. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting or making that comparison. But what I am saying is that 
while it's not on the level of a firefighter, while it's not on the level of a police officer, while it's not on the level of a firefighter. And none of them, it's not on that level. But at the same time, it is a sacrifice. He is giving up money. He is risking money. He is risking his position on the team. He didn't have to do it. He supported his teammate. And I got to respect that. I got to respect that. So we'll see what, what comes of it. I, I do believe, and I said this last week, I think, well, Seahawks are, are planning something. I don't know what that's going to be. It's going to be a surprise. But I, I respect the heck out of Brandon Marshall for putting it on the line. But I will say this, and, and to me, that's a big-time sacrifice. But you, you do got to be careful because the reality is guys could get cut. Guys could lose jobs because of this. And that's just the reality of the situation. So kudos to Brandon Marshall. But it did it did come at a cost. It was a sacrifice, a, a big sacrifice. It cost of money. Not to the level of, of police, military, firefighters, but it was a sacrifice. So, so I, I mean, you may not agree with it, but it was a sacrifice. But we'll move on from there. NFL season starting. It's here. It's upon us. It's starting. Starting yesterday, and for the next what, twenty-two weeks or something like that, twenty-plus weeks, we're going to be locked, loaded, excited, happy, and we're going to enjoy football. Football is back. College football last week was great. Notre Dame, Texas, huge. Charlie Strong and his boys standing up, swoops, lumbering. Notre Dame finally got it right. I mean, they, they went with one quarterback, Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser. He was he was big time last week. And, and Notre Dame made the right move, stopped switching, stopped going back and forth. Kaiser went in there and balled out. And you wonder if Kaiser would have played the whole football game if it would have looked a little different. And, and Malik Zaire, ultra-talented football player, ultra-talented quarterback, but it might, might take some time. It might take some time for him to, to get right, you know, get used to being out there again, you know, and getting comfortable. So it, it's obviously – it's going to take some time maybe, but they made the right call going with Deshaun Kaiser. Let's go back to the NFL, though. And you look at, first and foremost, that big move by the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, right before the start of the season, your quarterback, obviously Teddy Bridgewater, goes down a few weeks back. Now you bring in Sam Bradford, a guy who, man, <laughs> is there any more fortune, any more lucky guy than Sam Bradford? I mean, the dude gets that rookie quarterback deal, that big-time money. The last guy to get it, he gets all that big-time money. He gets more big-time money from Philadelphia, two years, $35 million, 22 guaranteed. So he gets all this, all this money 
and getting all this money, but you look at his skill set, you look at his ability, you look at his results, and you're like, what, 70, 80 plus million dollars he's made, and no playoffs ever, no division titles, no nothing. I mean, just mediocre, average. Now, so here's the thing. Sam Bradford, to me, is solid. He's a solid quarterback. He's solid. Not great, but solid. And I will say this. The Minnesota Vikings defensively was big time last year. You know, one of the league uh, leaders in, in points. Points per game. And, and, and that's the number, that's the metric I pay attention to when it comes to defense. The points per game. Points per game to me is that number. That's the number to me that means the most. That's it. Points per game. That's the metric. That's the metric I pay attention to. That tells me you might give, get, you know, might let teams get a lot of yards, but you're not letting them into the end zone. But I look at, and, and you know, let's let's look at the points per game metric, and let's see what did it, it equates to. Seattle, number one defense in terms of points per game. They were number one playoff team, got to the divisional round. Cincinnati, second playoff team, lost in a wild card to the Pittsburgh Steelers, easily should have won that game. Kansas City, lose in a divisional round to the Patriots, third. And this is defense points per game. Amount of points they give up. Denver, 18.5 points per game, number four. In terms of defense, in terms of points per game. That's huge. That's big time. Won the Super Bowl. Minnesota playoff team giving up 18 points per game. Carolina got to the Super Bowl. Number six, 19 points per game. 19.3. Arizona championship game, NFC championship game, 19.6 points per game. Houston got to the wild card round. Lost, got blown up. Brian Hoyer, all those picks. But a Houston, eight, 19.6 points per game, tied. Well, actually, Arizona, Houston, the New York Jets are all tied. But you look at the New York Jets, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were right there. They should have made the playoffs, but they lost to the Buffalo Bills. New England, and an AFC championship game, number 10. Pittsburgh, uh, lost in the divisional round. Green Bay. So you get the point. You get the point. That points per game metric is huge. That's huge. So that points per game metric is what what I point at, what I look at when I look at your defense. That points per game. They're not letting teams in the end zone. Huge. Huge. You're not getting into the end zone. That's huge, man. But metric tells me 
that you get to the playoffs and beyond when you limit teams' points per game and when you – I mean, the top 12 teams defensively in terms of points per game, all of them made the playoffs except for the New York Jets. And then you got the Washington Redskins who won the NFC East, and they were 17, a little farther down. But the point I'm trying to make is this, and Green Bay Packers ultimately lost in the division round. But the point I'm trying to make is this. That's the metric I pay attention to. But anyway, go. I got kind of off the path a little bit. I was talking about Sam Bradford. But anyway, how about the Philadelphia Eagles first and foremost, getting a one, getting a four for Sam Bradford? a guy that probably wasn't going to be there next year. So essentially you're paying $11 million for a number one draft pick because they had to pay the signing bonus. The Philadelphia Eagles, they paid the signing bonus already. So you, you paid $11 million for a number one and a number four, number one in 2017, a four in 2018. So you, you paid that money, essentially. And so for the Philadelphia Eagles, you didn't have a number one, now you got a number one. You got a number four back in 2018 because you gave up some things in order to get up to the second pick to get Carson Wentz. And so now Carson Wentz is going to be rolled out as the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is his team right now. This is his show. Is he ready? Ready or not, it's his show. So I look at Carson Wentz. Ready or not, it's his show. And we'll see if Carson Wentz can get it done. I don't think, obviously, you look at this move, the Sam Bradford trade, one of the happiest teams is not Minnesota and it's not Philadelphia. It's probably the Cleveland Browns because the Philadelphia Eagles now, the Browns own their pick next year. So the Philadelphia Eagles probably aren't going to be that good. Five, six, win team. So that pick looks a lot better than it did before that trade. Sam Bradford, now you lose a few losses, you few, excuse me, you lose a few victories. If, if you say Philadelphia was going to win eight, you might say they win five or six. I mean, Sam Bradford, hate him, love him. He's solid. He's solid. But you look at this move now, and I like it from the Minnesota Viking standpoint. I don't think it's going to translate to a playoffs. To, to the playoffs and, and to a playoff win. But it could. There's always the possibility. If Sam Bradford is the guy that the Rams thought he was when they drafted number one, if he's the guy that the, the Eagles thought he could be when they gave up a two and a four, I believe, and Nick Foles, or maybe it was Nick Foles and a two, I don't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, they gave things up in order to get – Sam Bradford. So the Eagles believed in him as well. And then the Eagles believed in him again when they gave him two years, 35 million, 22 guaranteed. So the Eagles had a lot of belief in Sam Bradford. The Rams had a lot of belief in Sam Bradford. And now the Minnesota Vikings has has shown or showing some faith in Sam Bradford as well. Will that faith translate into anything? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I will say this. I think it's worth the risk because defensively you're stacked. 
you, you got some decent weapons on the outside, decent tight end, and you got you got Adrian Peterson. So we look at Teddy Bridgewater's numbers last year, 14 touchdowns, nine picks. Nothing eye-popping, nothing crazy, nothing amazing. Sam Bradford played some decent football down the stretch for the Philadelphia Eagles. Decent football, but not great football. And so, I mean, at this point of their careers, Sam Bradford is probably the better passer than Teddy Bridgewater. Probably the better better passer. He did have 14 interceptions last year. Teddy Bridgewater only had nine. So, you look at it, and we can – Hate on Sam Bradford all we want. But to me, this this is it. This, this is it. I mean, we can hate on the money he's made. We can hate on all the opportunities he's gotten. But this is it. This is his opportunity now to prove to a lot of people in the NFL, a lot of people, that, did, that, that he, in fact, is a player. This is his chance. This is his opportunity to prove to a lot of people whether or not he has the goods, whether or not he's real, whether or not he's legit. If I'm the Minnesota Vikings, I would have made the trade. It's worth it, but it could turn out to be Herschel Walker-like. I mean, not you didn't give up as many assets, but the reality is you're taking a chance if you're the Minnesota Vikings. I love the deal from the Philadelphia Eagles standpoint, and from the Minnesota Vikings standpoint, I also like the deal. Because your team that feels like you can compete and do some big things in this league, and now you've got the quarterback, maybe, maybe that can save your season and take your places that you haven't been in a long time. We'll see. We're going to bring in a guy now, Hall of Famer, as we talk about this upcoming NFL season. Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. Willie. Well, how are you? Well, good, man. Just right here getting in the rental car in New Orleans. So, football's uh, back. That was a heck of a game the other night. I think they were they were targeting a little bit. I mean, um, uh, Chris Cosworth said it. They, they hit Cam a few times through a short time. They hit him in the head. So, it should have been more than one of those turkeys called. But they had a chance to win. And Mr. Trevor was an excellent game. Uh, you know, high drama and uh, it was a great way to start the season. It's definitely a great way to start the season. And I look at it from the Denver Broncos standpoint, just looking at it, I'm like, okay, last year you didn't get, you didn't get great quarterback play. Peyton Manning wasn't great. Brock Osweiler wasn't great. And so Trevor Simeon is just okay, and that defense is great like they were last year. Maybe the Broncos can get back to the Super Bowl. It's possible. I don't think so. Uh, it's possible, but, but similar, similar, similar to a couple turnovers. That defense picked it up in the second half. They really got out the camera, those guys. And I mean, I thought, I thought Carolina would pull away in the second half and score at least 31. I thought it was going to be 31 but uh, uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't get it done. And uh, they got stymied and credit to that Denver Barco defense. But, uh, you know, they put pressure on Simeon. He made a couple of bad throws. They're trying to ball over, but he was playing against a real, real good defense. But uh, the kids, the kid that can you, 
He still get me. He never got flustered. So uh, my hands off to him. He did a good job. So, so let me ask you this now. You look at it. We saw it. Brandon Marshall for the Denver Broncos. He took a knee. We saw last week Kaepernick took a knee. Uh, Eric Reed joined him. Jeremy Lane of the Seahawks took a knee. So a lot of people taking knees. And then you look at it. Brandon Marshall actually lost an endorsement deal for, for taking that knee. But uh, do you expect others, more, needs to be taken during the national anthem? So, I'm, yeah, I saw Marshall took a knee. Uh, when they say Seattle, Seattle team got something planned. They got something I don't planned. know, man. Uh, you know, I saw Marshall took a knee. What did you hear about, about Seattle team had something planned? Well, they got something planned. We'll see what that looks like. Uh, I think no. I think you're going to have more people doing it. After Marshall did it, and um, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, the more it gets done, I think the less the attention it'll get. So, um, you know, I just, I, yeah, I just think it's another way to do things. I just do that. I just don't turn it into a regular every year, every weekend. The, the tech is on, and people are doing this all the time now. I'm, I'm really about that now because now there's a platform. A guy is just going to be doing it to do it, and, and, and it's going to be something that's happening regularly all the time. When, when the issue comes up, is it going to start back up every time sometimes the issue comes up or, you know, some, some brutality or something happens, a guy's going to go to drop it to a knee, or, you know, every time something happens. That's what I worry about. We'll see. I mean, it's, go- it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like moving forward, but I, I think we're going to see more people doing it. And we'll see what the reaction will be. It should be interesting. Talking to Hall of Famer, Willie Rove. Willie, real quick, we can we can kind of go through, look at some of the divisions as we head into the season. If we look at the AFC West, we'll start there. Denver Broncos, obviously, you know, Super Bowl champions. The Chiefs there, the Raiders, the Chargers. I personally, I like the Chiefs this year. I mean, this is a team made the playoffs the last two seasons, big-time defense. Um, Alex Smith knows how to win. It, it's proven it in, Fort, in San Francisco, proven it the past two seasons in Kansas City. He knows how to win. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs are, pouring, are, are, are prime excuse me, to win the division and win the AFC West. Your thoughts? It's going to be tough. I think the Raiders are going to be a lot better this year. You see Denver's going to be tough, and like they always are. You know, um, where Jamal Charles going to be able to give them? And, and, and you know, uh, um, Houston got hurt last year, and you got uh, Ali a year older. So I like Kansas City, but I think that's going to be a real competitive division, and it's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be between um, – I think, like you said, it's going to be between Kansas City and Denver again, but uh, don't count out Oakland now. Uh, yeah, Oakland definitely is a team that's on the rise. Definitely a team on the rise, and we'll see if they finally can get it right and, and, and move forward as a team. But so, so, okay, you think it's going to come down to Kansas City and uh, Denver when it's all said and done? That, that division is going to be fun. Let's just go to yeah, the I AFC South. Real, I think it's going to be a Let's go to AFC South. The Titans, Marcus Mariota. You got the Colts now, Andrew Luck back, Jacksonville. 
Blake Borders, Bortles, excuse me, another year. Houston Texans with Brock Osweiler. I'm going to go with the Colts here. And, you know, I say the Colts because Andrew Luck gets his money. You know, a lot of people are starting to sleep on Andrew Luck a little bit. And I feel like that's going to be motivation for him to be successful this year. I like the Colts to win that division. You know, that's going to be another tough division. I think Jacksonville, their defense got some real good acquisitions. Uh, uh, the Titans, that running back combo they got with uh, with uh, the, the kid from uh, the East Bay, the Dallas, and and Henry from the, from the, uh, Alabama look good. Man, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's Henry. Um, I'm going to give you a surprise, but listen, I'm going I'm to... I'm I'm gonna go with Jack. I'm gonna say Jacksonville. You are gonna say Jacksonville? Okay. I, that wouldn't surprise me. That most definitely wouldn't surprise me. I think Gus Bradley is a is a very good coach. I mean, they definitely have some good wide receivers there. You know, Hearns and Robinson. Defensively, like you said, Gus Bradley, he knows defense. We know what he did with the Seattle defense. So, I mean, I I don't think that's way off. I mean, I really think. This there is a possibility that this team could possibly win the AFC uh, South. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But we'll see. That's good. Like you said, that's going to be an interesting division as well. Let, let's go to AFC Central. To me, and this is my Super Bowl pick. I like the Cincinnati Bengals, and and I think this team, one of the more talented teams in football, maybe the most talented team in football, both sides of the ball. I mean, you look at this football team, you look at last year, Andy Dalton gets hurt. If Andy Dalton get, doesn't get hurt, they probably beat the Steelers. And who knows? They might they may have gotten to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, that team was that team is a, a is a very good football team. Dalton was having a great year. Obviously, AJ Green is big time. You know, you got some big time guys on defense. Atkins is, is big time. I mean, this is a good defense. I like the Cincinnati Bengals to not only win this division, but I like them to win the AFC. Your thoughts? Hold on, you got Cincinnati. Who else you got in that division? Don't you got Pittsburgh in there, Baltimore? Uh, they're there, but I like Cincinnati. Hmm. Um. I'm gonna say yeah, I, I'm gonna agree with you on this one. I think if, if Cincinnati is gonna do something. This is the year for them to do it, and uh, you know, uh, Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is going to be good again, man. I really think you know Pittsburgh is going to be good when they Levi Bell is going to be back in a few games, and uh, Baltimore is going to be all right. But uh, I really, I, I, you know, I like uh, I, I think it's Cincinnati between, between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I think it's Cincinnati's year. They're going to do something, but I mean. The coach just hasn't had a good track record in the playoffs. I mean, he just he hasn't been able to get it done, Paul. He doesn't, but he had some bad luck along the way. You know, last year not having Andy Dalton, that hurts. I, I feel like they have it together. They have the roster. And, and, and to your point, if they're going to do it, I think now is the year. And, and I think Andy Dalton is, is poised and primed to get this team to that next level. And I think that next level – is the Super Bowl. We'll see. I'm rooting for Marvin, Marvin Lewis. 
So we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's go to the AFC East real quick. You know, New England, obviously Tom Brady's going to miss the first four games. We got Buffalo, second year under Rex Ryan now. So that, that should be interesting. The Jets are there. They got Fitzpatrick back. They had a big-time defense. And then you have the Dolphins. I, I look at I look at this division, and, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here. I think I like the Buffalo Bills to get it done in this division. First and foremost, Tom Brady's going to miss the first four games. Jimmy Garofalo, I don't know what he is. Buffalo, if second year Rex Ryan in that defense, I think that's going to be better. Tyrod Taylor was decent last year, 20 touchdowns, only six interceptions. Sammy Watkins is big time. You got LaShawn McCoy, who had some injuries last year, but wasn't healthy, one of the best backs in football. I like Buffalo to win the AFC East. Mm, I have to agree with you. I like Buffalo, too. I think Tyrod Taylor, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, uh, they keep doing the, the keep making strides the way they want and, uh, and and play good ball. I I think I think Buffalo can be special. I, I do. I, I mean, I, I think this is the year. And at some point, Father Time has to see Tom Brady. I mean, he's going to be thirty nine years old. He's thirty nine. I mean, Father Time's going to have to see him at some point. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that Father Time finally sees Tom Brady because he's got to see him at some point. But we'll see. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rove. Willie, let's just go to NFC real quick. We look at the NFC, in my opinion, just looking at the divisions. To me, I I like – well, let's look at the NFC West. Rams, quarterback play is suspect. Cardinals, good football team. 49ers, quarterback play suspect. Seahawks, Russell Wilson is big time. That defense is big time still. To me, I think the Seattle Seahawks win that division and also think the Seattle Seahawks get back to the Super Bowl. Your thoughts? Uh, I think Seahawks win the Super Bowl, win the division. I don't know if they get back to the Super Bowl, but I do think they're going to win that division. Uh, they, you know, Jimmy Graham's got to give them more this year. Um, they still got the outstanding defense. Uh, so I don't know if they get to the Super Bowl, but I do feel like they win the division. So let's look at the uh, NFC South, Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers, Panthers. I think Carolina still is the best team in this division. I think Tampa Bay is going to be better. Um, but I think Carolina is the team in this division. I think Calvin Benjamin having him back is huge. He was a, He's a weapon. So I think Carolina is going to win the NFC South. But I like Tampa Bay ultimately to get the wild card. Your thoughts? I agree with you. I tell you, and uh, Tampa Bay will be will be better this year. I think Tampa's going to have a breakout year, but I agree with you. Carolina just two stacks on both sides of the ball, and you saw that kid from Las Tech, Vernon Butler, got a sack in the game. He played good, so uh, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Carolina's going to be back in the thick of things, uh, and uh, you got to watch out for them. Maybe trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Now NFC North. Bears, Lions, Packers, Vikings. Jordy Nelson's back. Aaron Rodgers is still big time. That Packers defense is solid, so it's a decent defense. Minnesota doesn't have Teddy Bridgewater. They got Sam Bradford. I'm not a believer. 
far as I'm concerned, I like the Packers in that division. Your thoughts? I agree with your Packers, too. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to take a while for Sam to get going. I mean, they can run the ball to play action. The Packers have talent, but I, 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 I agree with you. I like the Packers. And now the NFC East. Cowboys, Tony Romo is going to be out for an extended period of time. Dak Prescott in. Had a great preseason, but the preseason ain't the regular season. You got the Giants now who paid a lot of money on that defense. Eli Manning, who stayed healthy. Who knows how to stay healthy? Beckham, those boys. And then you got the Eagles, rebuild mode. And then you got the Redskins. Kirk Cousins won the division last year. Has a lot of weapons. In my opinion, Josh Norman there also. I like the Redskins to win the, win the NFC East. I, I, I like that offense, you know, Josh Norman helped. I think the Redskins win the NFC. It's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah but, but, but if that Prescott can play good, I, I just don't know, man. We don't know what this kid can do. And, uh, I mean, he looked real good in the preseason. I mean, the Cowboys could surprise some people with that line. And uh, the part of the Cowboys, they, they got a few guys missing on that defense for the first part of the season. But, uh, I think the Cowboys might be better than we think. But I gotta go with um I gotta go with I gotta go with um mm, I guess I have to, I, I think the Red Skills the Red Skills will be right there in the mix again. I mean uh the Travis played good last year, I agree with you. I think that would be the but don't my sleeper team might be the Cowboys this year. I I, I just think they got enough talent to get some to do some things. End of the day, who wins it all? I would like to see Carolina get back to win it all. Okay. I don't know if that'll happen, but um AFC um AFC I don't know. It's going to be tough for the AFC, but uh, I would like to see Carolina win it off. All right, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I like the Bengals to win it all, but it should be fun. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. Nothing but the best. Let's do this again. Okay. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hall of Famer, Willie Rove. Pleasure talking to him. When we come back, we're going to be joined by San Francisco's 49ers wide receiver, Jeremy Curley. You're listening to Go Forward at Black Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We see what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Rossi. That's called butter. 
All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Go for it. Paul again here talking sports, having fun doing it. We're about to bring in a guy now. Had an interesting offseason. Signed with the uh, the Detroit Lions in this offseason. Now he's traded to the San Francisco 49ers. It seems he's going to have a decent role with the 49ers in 2016. So let's bring him in now. Wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, Jeremy Curley. Jeremy. How you doing, man? How are you? Man, I'm doing good, man. I'm blessed. For sure. Now, Jeremy, he signed with the Detroit Lions in the offseason, ultimately traded to the 49ers, and now you're in San Francisco, and it seems like you're going to get some looks in the slot position. You're going to be the punt returner. Talk about your role with the 49ers. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's – uh... It's an opportunity, man, nonetheless, just for me to go out there and keep doing what I do and um, help this organization, you know, get to where they want to be. But, um, you know, I, my role is is to make plays. You know, Chip Kelly's offense is a, um, a non-stop, non-stop moving offense, um, try to create mismatches everywhere. So, um, you know, my role is, is to, be a, uh, to be a guy that can, you know, do stuff when he has the ball in his hand. So let me ask you this now. I mean, you, you talked about that Chip Kelly offense. Deshaun Jackson had a career year in that system. Jeremy Macklin had a career year in that system. Do you feel like you can put up big numbers in this system? Um, yeah, man. The system itself is uh, it's designed for guys to, you know, go out there and make plays. 80 plays a game, you know, 70, 80 plays a game. Um, doing that thing as much as you do. You know, it's it's opportunities out there to make those yards. So like you say, like Macklin and Deshaun, those guys put up numbers like that, man. So uh, you know, I don't I don't wanna, you know, jump the gun, but like I say, man, it's just an opportunity nonetheless. When did you realize it was not gonna work in Detroit? Um, I mean as soon as we got uh as soon as they got um, you know, Anquan, it, it kinda yeah. Kind of let you know, let me know that well, you know it can't be, can't be two guys. You know they 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 kind of looking in the slot. So um, you know he's a vet, fourteen year, fourteen year guy. So um, you know I kind of knew as soon as we as soon as we signed him, you know first day of camp that either you know, my role was going to be you know limited or you know the. <clears throat> Uh, I was gonna get released or something or whatever, but I mean, it's the best thing that could have happened. Now, where are you in terms of learning this Chip Kelly offense? I mean, you came a little late, so h- how's the learning? I was going great, man. Um, yeah, I'm a fast learner, you know, football is football for the most part. You know, I've been in, um, I've been in uh, four or five different offenses in five years, so uh. You know, that's a good thing and a bad thing. But um, you know, it definitely helps you pick up pick up things, you know, rather fast. So uh I love the offense. I mean it's a, it's an amazing offense and you know, my learning 
what I've learned so far is um, yeah, it's been it's been it's been pretty good. It's a healthy it's a healthy playbook, man. But you know, it's, I've been doing a good job of picking it up. We're talking the 49ers wide receiver Jeremy Curley. How do you view this 49er football team at this point? I mean, what can we expect from this football team? A lot of people aren't expecting big things from the 49ers, but how should we look at the San Francisco 49ers? Hungry. You're hungry, man. And I love the people aren't expecting big things. I mean, everybody wants to play, you know, with a chip on their shoulder or whatever. But, I mean, I, I just think each year, it doesn't matter what you did last year, man. That slate is wiped clean. I, you know, it's usually guys leaving, guys coming. You know, that slate has to be wiped clean. So, uh, you know, we got a group of, of young guys. We got some, you know, some veterans and some key positions. So, uh, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a hungry group, man. A hungry group that's, you know, going out every week to prove, you know, only to ourselves, you know, that everything that we work for, you know, is is – it's gonna be great, you know, if we if we put in that work and trust each other like like we've been doing. Now we've heard some things in the past with Chip Kelly and player relations, not being very sociable, not dealing with minority players well. But what are your impressions of Chip Kelly? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's crazy. Um, Chip Kelly to me, man, he's. Me and Chip ain't stopped talking. We probably talk all the time. He uh, and he's constantly coming up to me, you know, giving me little insights on this and that. I mean, honestly, I think he's he's you know saying he's a, he's a player's coach to me. You know, he uh, I can come to him about whatever. Come to him about you know certain things I see or certain things that I feel like you know that I did in the past that'll help. And uh, I mean, he's open to listen, man. He's, you know, he's he's informative when it, when it needs to be. So, I think everybody, you know, is, is they get perceived and they get you know judged off of one encounter that uh you know kind of sets the identity. But um, like I said, man, every every slate is wiped clean, you know, at the end of the season. So, uh, all right. Go ahead. So, but basically, you were laughing about it and everything. So, to you, it, it sounds kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, it sounds, it sounds crazy. I mean, I don't really get into, you know, to you know, sports, sports news, right? So, sports news. So I don't, I don't even really too much follow that. So, I've never really heard anything about chip like that. So, for 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 it to be said like that, you know, to me, it's crazy because that's not what I've. That's not what I've seen, you know, so far. We're talking to 49ers wide receiver, Jeremy Curley. A lot of talk with the 49ers is, is really off the field. Colin Kaepernick sitting door national over anthems. Eric Reed joined them last week. Your thoughts on Kaepernick and, and taking the knee during the national anthem? Um, I think for the for the most part, you know, everybody thinks it's a distraction to the team. It's not a distraction. Um, but I think uh, he he's he he's doing he's doing it for a certain reason. You know, whatever his reason is, you know, that's that's for him. You know, to deal with. But um, 
you know, whatever he's whatever he's standing for, you know, or in this case kneeling for is uh is his right to do, you know. So um, I live kind of by a creed, you know, you have to stand for something, you know, or, or die for nothing. So um, if he believes, um, if he believes whatever he believes, um, I mean, he's standing up for it. You know, not a lot of people, you know, see the, the courage in that to take on something like that. You know, they just see the negative part in it, which I understand. You know, it, it gets perceived different. But um, you know, as his teammate, you know, we don't we don't get into all that. And you know, I'm I'm gonna back him up 100%. You know, um, whatever he needs within his team. So let me ask you this. Eric Reed said that others are, are talking about joining in. Are you one of those others who are talking about joining in and, and taking a knee during the anthem? Um, uh, nah, you know, I, I'm, I'm really trying to worry about, you know, saving my legs. Uh, I feel like I don't, I don't, you know, taking a knee is, is something that, uh, kind of takes energy out of me so like I said man it's it's everybody everybody perceives something different you know and if I had a nosebleed or something and I went to go lean over during the national anthem because my nose was bleeding you know, people would be like you know well that's disrespectful because you know well, I mean my nose is bleeding so but I mean you would never know that unless I said something so everything gets perceived different man but I mean it's all about it's all about how you know we take and how we respond to it. And I mean, for the most part, you got to respect that response. That's up for that person to deal with. For sure, we're talking to 49ers wide receiver Jeremy Curley. Now, Jeremy, you got the Rams coming up. You got the Rams coming up Monday night. How do you view the Rams coming into the 2016 season? Um, I think, uh, you know, as far as uh, defensively, they're, they're a young defense. Um, they're fast defense. They have a uh, they have a lot of good um, explosive players. Um, the D line is is very, very explosive. You know, I think that's that's one of their strong, strong parts about their defense. Um, so a lot of credit to to what they're doing, and to what they have going over there. So. Um, but uh, I mean, we're going out Sunday, and we're looking for a win. So I don't really think it matters, you know, who's in front of us. You know, we're trying to go out and prove to ourselves that you know we deserve to be wherever we want to be. What do you feel like you need to do on the offensive side of the ball in order to win this particular football game? Um, I think being consistent is uh, um, the biggest part of our uh, success moving forward. You know, is in this league, a lot of a lot of people and a lot of players, you know, the talent is not, you know, it's not too far off. So, uh, you know, it usually comes down to one or two plays, you know, that decides the football game. So, yeah, I think it, it'll come down to our consistency and how consistent we can be, and then drawing out those one or two big plays, you know, more than than they do. And that's why I think it'll take the win. We're talking to Forty Niners wide receiver. Jeremy Curley. Now, Jeremy, you're doing your thing in the fashion world, man. You got a denim line out, doing big things with that. Talk about that. Um, yeah, man. I gotta check that out. That's uh 
it's coming real soon too, man. And I'm glad uh I'm glad I'm kinda in the platform and the the right uh the right state to kinda push it out now. But um, you know, it's definitely a it's definitely a denim line. I mean it leans to all all body parts and all body types, man. It's it's for everybody. So it's definitely like a biker style jean that uh that I'm happy about, man. I think a good pair of jeans makes a guy feel a certain way about himself. At least that's how it does me. So that's kind of where I went with it. So let me ask you this. When, when you got a good pair of jeans, what does that do to you mentally? Mentally, when you got a good pair of jeans, man, it doesn't matter what shoes you got on. It doesn't matter what shirt you got on. I mean, for the most part, you got a good pair of jeans on, man. You feel like your, your style is in the right direction. Okay. Okay. So if I put on a, 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 the right pair of jeans... You know, some of your denim line. Am I going to do some things? Yeah, you might get you a TV deal or something. You know what I mean? You might might be the next Stephen <laughs> A. Smith or somebody. <laughs> so sign me up. What can I get? That out, where, where, where can I get it? Where can I get this denim line, man? Where can I get it? Um, it's definitely it's definitely coming right now, man. It's still in production a little bit. We're getting some things worked out. Like I say, before I push it out, I want it to be perfect. If I wouldn't see myself in it, then I definitely wouldn't put it out. But uh, you can find it on JeremyCurley.com, as well as some clothes and things I have in uh, my JK11 brand um, shirts. It's not only for men, too. You know, we have JK11 dresses out right now that's, you know, for, for the ladies. It's nice. Um it's a, uh, it's definitely kind of a sexy thing. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that in the broadest term, but uh, check it out. So I, I got to get my lady into some, uh, into that dress line. Definitely, man. Check that out. Will do. Will do, man. So overall, obviously, team goal, you want to get far, you want to get to the playoffs, you want to win a Super Bowl. But what are your personal goals going into the 2016 season? Uh, I think my personal goals is to obviously to do better than what I did last year. I don't really think that'll be too hard, you know, just based off of me uh, only having 16 catches um, and only playing really in two games offensively. But uh, I think the biggest thing for me personally is um, getting my feet back underneath me in the offensive side, being able to go out there and prove to myself, you know, that you know, I, I can I can still go out there and put up, you know, the numbers and I can still go out there and give you, you know, that big first down when you need it. You know, because I feel like I never really – it never really left me. But, um, you know, due to opportunities, they were slim. So, for the most part, my biggest goal is, is kind of a uh, – I wouldn't say a resurrection, but – just going out there and proving to myself that, you know, I still I still can do what I always knew I could. So let me ask you this before we get out of here. During that time with the New York Jets near the end there, did you lose any confidence in yourself? It was a rough time. Uh, never, you. man. Never. I, I never knew it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the lack of talent. It wasn't the lack of, you know, ability to make this play or that play. You know, it was just, you know, solely on what one person you know, wanted to see in their offense. You know, I respected it uh, for the most part. You know, if it was told to me a little earlier, you know, I, it it definitely would have uh, it definitely would have opened my eyes to some 
some different options. But um, I mean, that's what that's what one person wanted. So you know, that's that's where it went to. You know, they wanted bigger receivers in the slot. They wanted to try something new in the slot. Um, you know, I'm labeled a slot receiver, so you know, it kind of was what it was. For sure. So fans, go to his website, JeremyCurley.com. Hit him up on Instagram, Jeremy underscore Curly 11. Hit him up on Twitter, jcurly underscore 11. Hit this man up on Facebook, Jeremy Curley NFL, and support Jeremy Curley. Jeremy, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah, man. Pleasure all mine, man. Take care, man. Take care. All right. Jeremy Curley, wide receiver, San Francisco 49ers. And uh, he's got a 49ers, interesting football team. We're talking about off the field with the 49ers, but who knows? I mean, if Chip Kelly's offense has had a lot of success, maybe they can turn around in San Francisco this year. I want to thank Jeremy Curley for stopping by. I want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rowe for stopping by. And I also want to thank mental skills coach Graham Betcher for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows. You can't. Where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at Go For It Can. Like us on Facebook at Go For It Can and support all the great things going on with Go For It. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. <laughs>